Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church in Mullica Hill, New Jersey. We trust today's message will challenge you and move you closer to Christ. Here's pastor, teacher, and author, Phil Moser. We are talking about a spiritual discipline challenge, and that is an opportunity for us to embrace certain habits out of the Word. And we kind of pause um, our discussion in, in, in Daniel, and we're going to do this for the next uh, roughly 40 days. And I can second what Jeff said. It's not about getting it perfect. It's about not getting discouraged when you fail at the process or at the discipline and continuing to stay after the discipline. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, We have been through Psalm 19 last week. We got through the first half. Will you stand with me as I read the Word and we engage in our honoring of the Word and reading it, and then we'll kind of unpack it together. Psalm 19, verses 10 through 14. Speaking of the Word of God, this is what we read. More to be desired are they, that is the Bible passages, than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors, declare me innocent from hidden faults? Keep back your servant also from the presumptuous sins, let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression." Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thank you. You may be seated. There's a passage that at the end of this verse, I just want to look at, and then we're going to talk about what I'm going to call three growth areas. That means they're not perfect, but we're growing in them, and three essential disciplines. And then we're going to encourage you to take that challenge and engage with us in that. And even if you're online with us, you're invited to this challenge as well. So let me just look at this verse with you at the end. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. That is that whatever we would do as Christians, we would do it in such a way that our words would honor God and our very thoughts would honor God. We would learn to avoid the thoughts that don't honor him, the thoughts that are sinful. We'd learn to engage in in, in words of care and words of encouragement as opposed to simply words of criticism. We would have both our words and our thoughts be acceptable in the sight of the Lord. And note this, in the text, He is our rock, that is the stable one, and he is our redeemer, that is our savior. So what a great reminder, right, that the words and the thoughts would be acceptable in the sight of the Lord. And how do we do that? You may remember we unpacked the beginning of Psalm 19 last week. It's all about how the word impacts our lives. So let me give you three growth areas in your time with God. So if you're taking notes, this is where you want to jump in, okay? And I'll try to go slow enough that you can stay with it, all right? Three growth areas in your time with God. You're going to notice in this passage in Psalm 19, a priority, an encounter, and a practice, okay? A priority, an encounter, and a practice. Now look at this right in the text. More to be desired, a little later, sweeter also than honey, a little later, in keeping them, there is great reward. So more to be desired, that's going to be the priority. More to be desired are they, that is the word of God, than gold. Uh, That's your priority. Time with God is of first importance. When the psalmist says, it is more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, it means whatever you think is your highest priority, the word of God, as far as an issue of importance, must trump that priority. It has to be of most importance. Um, Would your time reflect that? 
Would your thoughts reflect that? Would your words reflect that? Time with God is of first importance. Now, the second word there is the word encounter. And you notice that the text goes on to say, these verses, these Bible passages, sweeter also than honey of the honeycomb. And I want to call that the encounter, which means time with God must be experienced, okay? Time with God must be experienced. And, and I use that word carefully because if I were to tell you, well, let me just ask the question this way. How many of you have a favorite restaurant? Can I see your hands? Favorite restaurant? Okay, don't be bashful. Put your hand up. I'm not going to call on you. Well, maybe I will. I don't know. Okay. Uh, um, you have a favorite restaurant. How many of you have a favorite meal at that restaurant? When you go, that's your favorite meal. Okay. Okay, great. You have a favorite restaurant. You have a favorite meal at the restaurant. You could tell everybody about that meal, but it's not the same until they go and they what? Taste it. That's right. They've got to go and they taste it. You can talk about it. You can talk about how good it is. You can talk about how the chef presents it. You can talk about um, how good the Big Mac looks. You can, you know, okay, you can talk about it, but you can't let, they don't know what you're talking about until they themselves experience it. And this is so critical. You can listen to podcast over, after podcast on the Bible. You can YouTube your favorite communicator on the Bible. You can come to church on Sundays and hear the Bible, but it is not the same as when you taste it, right? That's why I say this is an encounter. Your time in the Lord is a valuable encounter, and your time with God must be experienced. That's why it says it's sweeter than the honey from the honeycomb. It's, it's you tasting it. It's you experiencing it. And then note this last part, if you will. In keeping them, there is great reward. Not just in listening, not just in hearing, but in actually doing. And so we would say of practice, time with God should impact your day's events. And perhaps this is where we sometimes lose track of it, right? That we start reading the Bible at the beginning of the year. We're kind of staying after it. The encounter, it doesn't feel like we really desire it, but we keep trying. But when we don't practice it, we don't put in play what God taught us that morning into our day, we're not actually keeping the word. And I just want you to see that circle. It's high priority. I encounter God personally through my time in the word. And the practice of that means I'm working all day at applying it. And I keep working that cycle. It's that cycle that we're after. And by the way, these are growth areas. None of us are doing them perfectly, right? But we want to keep growing in those areas. Now, those are the three uh, growth areas. Here are the three, what I'm going to call essential disciplines in your time with God. And we've simplified it, and, and this is, today is a lot of how-to, okay? It's intended to be that. Because if there's one thing I didn't like when I was growing up in church was when I was made to feel guilty and they never told me what to do, right? I wanted to know what to do. In fact, instrumental in my life is a man who um, took an interest in discipling me when I was only 17 years old. And I remember these were the things he taught me. He said, here, Phil, you gotta be in the word. You gotta have a time in prayer. You gotta be memorizing the scripture. And I looked forward to meeting with him because I knew that he had shown me how to do it. And when I, when I would mess up and when I wouldn't be getting it right, and when I'd be struggling, I would go on campus looking for this guy to speak to. So here's the three essentials of the spiritual disciplines in your time with God. Maintain a daily time in the Word, memorize scripture for everyday challenges, um, and make prayer your day-to-day -day pattern. Now, you're gonna notice three things there besides maintain, memorize, and make, and here it is. Daily, every day, day-to-day, -day, okay? Daily, every day, day-to-day. -day. 
You may miss a day, but if you get discouraged and don't get back onto this pattern, you cannot possibly expect to grow in the Lord. You can't. These are the ways, and you're going to see this unpacked in the scripture in a second, these are the ways that God made available to us. There's a young man who married into our family a number of years ago. He's, uh, he married my first cousin back in Indiana, and um, he is one of the premier violinists in the, in the nation, quite frankly, in the world, okay? Um, he <coughs> uh, teaches at... Indiana University in Bloomington. He is a part of uh, esteemed string quartet. In fact, last year, just to kind of let you know where he is, last year, his quartet won a Grammy for classical music, okay? So he's the best of the best, right? So when I go on family reunions, and we're all together, and he's, he likes to, he's, he's about my size, so I end up having to guard him and playing when we're playing basketball, I am always scared to death. Like, you know, I say to him, Austin, here's the deal. If, I block, if you block me, it's not a big deal. If you jam my finger, I'm going to tape it up, and I'm going to preach on Sunday, okay? If I jam your finger, that's it, okay? I messed up your career, like forever, okay? And he just tells me, don't worry about it, just play basketball, okay? So I try not to hurt him, all right? But the point is this, that he's really, really good, and I love talking with him about his craft. And so when we're in a family reunion, I remember once I said to him, like, when you were in your undergraduate, before you did all that other stuff at Harvard and stuff, when you were studying in your undergraduate, he said, he told me he developed a string quartet there. I said, did you guys, you, you must have practiced with that string quartet. He said, yeah, we did. I said, how much? He said, four to six hours. I said, like four to six hours, did that include what you normally practice for school? He said, no, it was on top of that. I said, a week? He said, no, a day. I said, did you just say a day? Like you guys practice four to six hours a day after all the school was done? Okay. Now, some of you are saying, man, when did they have time to party? Okay. I don't think they did. All right. Which is precisely this idea that if you want to develop these disciplines, you've got to get that good. Right. This is a conviction for all of us who look at the Word of God and say, um, why can't I just get anything out of it? You have to acknowledge that you may not be putting any time into it. It was said at Kobe Bryant when he played for the Lakers that when a game was over, everybody else would go out and he would go back to the gym. Maybe that's one of the reasons he was as good as he was. The point is this, that you and I have to say, I am making a commitment to stay engaged in these disciplines. Maintain a daily time in the Word, memorize Scripture for everyday challenges, and make prayer your day-to-day pattern. I'm not telling you to put in four to six hours a day, right? But I am saying that you need to put probably more time in than you are. Let's talk about that first one, maintain a daily time in the Word. Now, watch how the Scripture does this. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, we read, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, which means don't speak it and then be done with it. Don't say, well, I shared a Bible verse and it's done. It leaves my mouth and it doesn't come back. But rather, you shall meditate on it day and night. Notice this pattern. Day and night, day and night, day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. This great reminder, again, that our focus should be not on the end result, but what we're doing daily in the Word. Now, I told you, we're going to be really how-to in these opening sessions, and that's because we want you to just pause and realize it's not just about saying, okay, I know I need to do that, but it's about us helping you see how you can do it. So a number of years ago, I came upon Zach Slegel's little four-step paradigm here for how to maintain daily time in the Word. So just jot these down, okay? 
The first thing you want to do is you want to come with a prepared heart. You don't just want to say, okay, I got to read my Bible because Pastor Phil told me I should. I'll do it. I don't get anything out of it, but I keep trying. Okay. That's not a prepared heart. That's a heart of obligation. Right? It's a heart of obligation. Try that on with your spouse next time. Okay. Show up at home and uh, buy a dozen roses, and when you stop and you knock at the door and your wife comes to the door, say, hey, I got these for you. Say something like this. These are so much money. This is so much work, but here you go. Okay. See how that works, right? It probably won't because your heart isn't prepared and you're doing it out of obligation. And when it comes to the word, I think we want to come with a prepared heart. One of the ways you want to do that is not just say, okay, I'm going to get my Bible, I'm going to open it up, but bring, if you bring something to write with, it's like you're telling God, listen, I'm expecting, I'm expecting when I read to discover something that I need to write down. So come with a prepared heart. Here's the second idea. Um, come at the right time. Now that's different for some of you than it is for others. I had a prof in seminary and um, he used to get up, he would go to bed early, and he would get up to study at 3.30 a.m., okay, 3.30 a.m. I was telling a friend of mine that once, and he said, Phil, God's not even up at that hour. He can't be talking to him, okay? Okay, the point is this, that that worked for him, right? And I remember that he, that he was working with me on a project, and I said, when are you available, Dave? And he said, oh, I'm available tomorrow morning at 3.30. I said, in the afternoon? He said, no, in the morning. And he said, so matter of fact, it was like, you want me to come at 3.30 in the morning? He said, yeah. He said, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to jump over the wall, okay, because the wall and gate around the seminary isn't open yet. You've got to jump, park your car in the street, jump over the wall, and then knock on my door, okay? So that's exactly what I did. It's the only time I ever traveled in L.A. that I didn't see traffic, okay? 3.30 in the morning, all right? But here's the point. That works for some people, but that doesn't work for everybody. So don't get hung up in the fact that I got to do it, I got to do it at this time, do it at the time when you are the most alert. Give God your best time. Make him your priority. Not only the best time, but, uh, but, but Zach Slegel said the best place. It's great if you have a place where you're just engaging with the Lord. I don't know where that is. It could be your office. It can be um, your coffee table. It can be your kitchen table. But that place should be a place where you're just saying, okay, Lord, this is my time with you. This is my time with you. And then finally, have a committed plan. Um, now, remember I said we're going to try to give you some how-to and some resources to get this done. Let me just talk briefly about the committed plan. Um, you can say, now, we've tried to create this 40-day spiritual challenge in such a way that if you're already doing something, it can enhance what you're doing, okay? But if you're saying, okay, Phil, I just need a starting point, then we've tried to prepare resources for you there as well. So if you say, I, I know I'm not reading the word like I should, I just want to get, but I don't know where to start, okay? I start in Genesis, and by the time I get through the end of Genesis, I lose track, and then I'm done, okay? So we've created for you uh, a spiritual discipline challenge card, okay? If you don't know where to start, okay, you just need a Bible, okay? you can start with the Spiritual Discipline Challenge card, and these are available out, out in the foyer this morning. Um, and it's got each day, January 30th, uh, whoops, sorry, it's got January 10th, which is tomorrow, and it's going to run all the way out through February 18th. So it's 40 days of scripture reading, a verse to memorize, and actually a prayer focus. I'm going to talk about that in a second. So the point is this, that the committed plan says, okay, I have a plan, I have a passage, I have a day, I have a place, I have the right time, and I'm coming with a prepared heart, okay? 
That's the first part of that. That's a resource. But the committed plan also should engage um, a degree of accountability. And we're going to talk about that at the end of the service. But for just a moment, let me talk with you about um, a journal that someone gave me about 10 or 11 weeks ago called the Daily Kairos Journal. And I've been using this for 10 weeks. And it has been... Um, I, not quite life-changing, but almost, right? So this is me just sharing with you. And I love the journal because it does several things. It brings my, it, it gives me order and a plan for my time in the Word. It's no longer just me opening the Bible and reading and highlighting a few things. In fact, I'll, I'll show you a copy of mine. You probably can't read my writing, but neither can I, so don't worry about it, okay? Um, in the journal, if I open it up, every day has two pages, and the top has a passage for me to memorize, and that's the passage in 1 John 5, 14 that I've been memorizing. Then it's got, I love this, it's got three areas for me to be grateful, right? So this is a couple days ago. Um, I was thankful for Jesus and his uh, pas passionate sacrifice. I was thankful for the beauty of nature, and I remember specifically when I got up and I'm spending time with the Lord, I'm looking out and the snow's there and it's in the trees, okay? Now, for many of you, and for me at times, I look at that and I say, oh, you gotta be kidding me, okay? I got a shovel, right? That's not a spirit of gratitude, is it? But because I was with the Lord and because I was with the Word, I was looking out and I was saying, wow. And you know what verse came to mind? Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. And for just a moment, I just sat and found myself deeply grateful for the beauty of nature. And then, that's why my third element of gratitude was that my sins are forgiven, right? That through Christ, my sins are forgiven. And so, I just want you to see that when I begin to work with a committed plan, it helps me a lot and would probably help you too. There's a section for prayer. There's a section for today I will. That is, I, that day I'm going to set an intention. And my intention that day was to not touch the glory of God, right? To not take credit for something. Um, and then, uh, no, that's my another, let's see. Oh, this one was persevere till done. That was my intention on that day. Um, then there's a section where I'm reading in the scripture. And in this situation, I was in John chapter 15. And, and then there is some, a pause for me to reflect and for me to write down a reflection and then for me to record that reflection for the week so that as I look at that reflection, um, and I just want to tell you, the journalist helped me significantly. If you're saying, Phil, I need something to kind of, to kind of get myself in a committed plan, then I really want to encourage this process. Now, I know that some of you are already on your phone out there and you're getting ready to order it from Amazon so it'll be there when you get home, okay? I just want to tell you, we have these available in the foyer this morning, so we're faster than Amazon today, okay? The point is, we want to get these resources available to you. But if you're wondering how to get going, there's nothing quite like a committed plan. And, you know, I mentioned this idea of a of a prepared heart. I, I just want to tell you, when I sit down with my Bible open and I pull this out, it's like I'm saying to God, God, you're going to talk to me today. Okay. I'm coming expecting you to talk to me today. So I just want to encourage you in maintaining a daily time in the Word, prepared heart, right time, best place, committed plan. That's what you want to do. Let's talk about memorizing Scripture for everyday challenges. Um, scripture memory is a challenge for most people, and most of us don't do it very often or very regularly. So let me just show you again the value of it in the Scripture. In Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11, re remember the guy I told you about who discipled me when I was uh, in high school? This was the first passage he had me memorize, okay? 
How can a young man keep his way pure by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's the passage, right? But notice this. Your word I have hidden in my heart. And we're going to talk about each one of these elements as we get into the rest of January. But what I want you to see is you have to say, okay, I'm at least going to try to memorize the scripture. Now, let me show you how we do that, okay? How to. Here's the how to. Memorize phrase by phrase, memorize day by day, memorize temptation by temptation. Let's just, when people memorize, they say, I tried, but I forgot it, okay? So I'm gonna teach you a verse this morning, and I'm gonna show you how I would do it, and you're just gonna memorize it phrase by phrase, okay? So I'm gonna say the phrase, you say it with me, okay? But be doers of the word. Uh, you can do better than that, all right? Here we go. But be doers of the word. But be doers of the word. But be doers of the word. There you go. But be doers of the word. And not hearers only. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. And not hearers only. And not hearers only. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Deceiving yourselves. Deceiving yourselves. Here we go. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You just memorize the verse. Oh, we forgot the reference. James 1.22. Say it again. James 1.22. James 1.22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, James 1.22. Now, let me tell you something else. By tomorrow morning, you will have forgotten it, okay? That's right. That's why you have to memorize day by day. You practice it by memorizing phrase by phrase. You just start phrase by phrase. And then after phrase by phrase, you memorize it day by day. You just keep going. And as you add those verses, we'll talk about this more in upcoming weeks, you'll begin to discover that you start to have a repertoire of swords, sword, the sword of the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 6, that is the Word of God that you can use when you face challenges and difficulties. Memorize phrase by phrase, memorize day by day. Perhaps most significantly in my own pattern of thinking, um, a number of years ago I began to memorize temptation by temptation because it's just not memorizing the verse, it's actually memorizing the verse that I need when I'm tempted. Okay. So that when I am tempted, all of a sudden the verse is starting to percolate in my head and it's coming right out, okay? And it's in that moment that the spiritual battle is taking place. But if I don't have the verse memorized, I am totally unarmed, okay? And Satan is deceiving. His demons have ways of making me think things are real when they're not really real. And I'm vulnerable, and so are you. But when I hear the verse in my head, all of a sudden, I find that if I memorize temptation by temptation, I find greater protection. Let me give you a couple of those, okay? Here's a temptation. Maybe you're tempted to be anxious or to worry. And even while you've been sitting here, you've been thinking, okay, how am I going to get this done? And what about this? And what about this? And, and you're anxious, okay? Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. So all of a sudden, you're anxious, and you hear the verse, be anxious for nothing. 
Or maybe you struggle with sexual temptation, like most of the people around you in some way, shape, or form. For lust is a shameful sin, a crime that should be punished, Job 31, 11 through 12. It is a devastating fire that destroys to hell. It will wipe out everything I own. Okay. That's a really helpful reminder when you're thinking you can get away with something. Or how about uh, doubting God's goodness? Like, life might be hard for you, and you're saying, man, I'm just struggling to really believe God really has my best interest in view. Psalm 84, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing will he withhold from him who walks uprightly. Or how about uh, loneliness? Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So therefore you can say, what command you unto me? Hebrews 13, 5. When you and I begin to memorize temptation by temptation, we end up using the verse, and that's even better than memorizing the verse. Because the more we use it, the, it's almost like spiritual muscle memory. The, the more effective we become at it. But if you don't memorize it, you're not going to be able to do it. Now, I've added here that you want to use stop and go verses. And I mean by that, it's one thing just to memorize verses about your temptation, but then pretty soon you're only thinking about your temptation. What I started to do was a number of years ago... I started to put together verses where 10 verses would deal with the temptation. They would be my no verses, like I hear the temptation and it's the one that speaks truth to that. We'll talk about that later. But the other thing I realized is that I was only dwelling on the temptation. So I needed verses that also introduced me to the character of God and the nature, the na and, and the nature of the gospel. When I thought of verses like, but God commends his love towards me, Romans 5, 8, but that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. When I thought about that verse, it didn't have to do with my temptation, but I grew in my love and fervor for God and what he'd done. And the more that I did that, the more that I realized it started to weaken the appeal of the temptation. So I had to have stop verses, that is verses that would cause me to say, um, listen, I, I, I hear the temptation and this is my truth verse, okay? Be anxious for nothing. But I also had to have verses that caused me to think about God's character, that he was good, that he was faithful, that he was faithful to generation to generations, Romans 100 verse five. That I would have verses like that and verses about the gospel not so that I could sh simply share the gospel, but so that I could uh, meditate and reflect and appreciate it. Both worked. And so that's why I say you gotta have stop and go verses. You know, we have those resources available for you after the service too. 20 cards, red and green. Red means stop, green means go. The verses that talk about stopping to the general temptations and the verses that talk about going. That is how you love God more. Right? You gotta memorize the scripture for everyday challenges. I remember I was uh, meeting with one of our young missionaries once, and I introduced him. I said, do you ever see this pack? And he said, um, yeah, I got that. Three months ago, I memorized all the verses. Okay, I already know that. You got something else for me? Okay, I was like, wow, that's great. Way to go. Like, I just want to remind you, he was already putting in play the idea of Scripture memory. So just think about this for a second. What if... What if you just Googled your temptation, whatever it is, you say, okay, I struggle with anxiety, or I struggle with anger, or I struggle with something like procrastination, putting things off, whatever it is. What if you just Googled, what does the Bible say about, and started to memorize verses that would help you with your struggle? I don't talk to people who struggle, who've memorized the verses. Just let this thought settle in. Usually one of my first questions when someone's struggling with something is I'll say, um, have you had a chance to memorize any scripture regarding it? 
and they almost always say the same thing. No, I haven't. Will that help me? This is the sword of the Spirit, but it's only effective as you've memorized it. Memorize phrase by phrase, memorize day by day, memorize temptation by temptation. One final thing for you, here it is. Make prayer your day-to-day pattern. Now, most Christians pray, I get that, but we're pretty limited in how we pray, or else we quote that verse, pray continually, and we just say, I kind of pray continually, but I wanna encourage you that you wanna get prayer into a pattern, okay? That's what Jesus did. In fact, he tells us in Luke chapter 18 when he tells us a parable, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Just because you don't see the answer you want or just because you struggle and you gotta get back on the horse again and and try again, um, you need to keep praying. Down in verse six, after the parable, the Lord said, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? See, there's that idea again, that we would be praying daily, that we'd have a pattern of praying daily. Joseph, um, Daniel, you may remember in our study, uh, said a part-time, three times a day, where he'd go and pray, right? There was a specific time that he prayed. Let me just give you a couple of how-tos here, okay? Develop a specific plan, okay? Develop a specific plan so that you just don't pray when you feel the need, right? But you have a pattern of praying. You have a pattern of praying. Mark 135, um, it says that Jesus was up early in the morning and he went away to a desolate place to pray. That Jesus had a specific pattern. When life was busy, he pulled out and he went to pray. Free yourself from distractions. The text says in Mark 135 that he went to a desolate place. Let me tell you what that means in a way that you'll understand. Lock your phone in a safe someplace. Put it away. Shut it off. There is... Just let me tell you, your Instagram will still be there when you're done praying. You're not going to miss a notification. You don't have to answer it right then. In fact, just tell your friends, if they say, I was trying to reach you, I couldn't, just say, hey, I was talking to somebody. Who were you talking to? God. Just say it. Like, God trumps you. Like, you can call me, but I'm not going to talk to you now. I want to talk to God. This is the picture. You have to free yourself from distractions. And then see prayer is more than request. This is so fascinating. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus gives us the Lord's prayer, which you know. Just say the beginning of that with me, okay? Here we go. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Stop for a second. You're halfway through the prayer. There's not even one request mentioned yet. Because here they come. Give us this day our daily bread. All of a sudden, the request shows up. And we are so quick to say, Lord, I'm in need, and getting right to the request. What you want to do is you want to develop a pattern of prayer where it, and we'll get into this in upcoming weeks, where it walks through praise and it walks through repentance. And when you're asking, you bring the request, but then you're yielding and submitting. You want all of that involved in your prayer pattern. J. Oswald Sanders uh, was a renowned missionary, headed up... um, headed up um, the China Inland Mission for years, was down in New Zealand for years, wrote the book Spiritual Leadership, wrote Paul's Leadership, wrote, just was, was like a guy who did ministry for a long time. Okay. I heard him speak when he was 90 years old, and two things I remember. Okay, they had a lectern there, and I was in a chapel service at seminary, and two men walked him up without a walker, and they got a hold, he got a hold of the pulpit, and they let go of him. And there he stood. He kind of wobbled back and forth a little bit, and then he got his balance, and then he just shared. Okay. Here's the other thing I remember. 
I remember going to Greek class with a professor afterwards who was a very, very difficult professor. He told me once, uh, he, I was sitting in a class by him, and he pulled his little glasses down, and he said, most of you will find adequate challenge in my class, right? And I remember thinking, there's only two of us in the class. Okay, what does that mean, okay? Most of us, that must be mean, okay? So, and it was deeply challenging. And I remember going to Dr. Thomas's class, and Dr. Thomas almost weeping and saying, that was beautiful, that I saw a 90-year-old man with a sharp mind because he said, I, I just, as I get old, I was most concerned that I would start to lose my ability to think. So J.L.'s what Sanders said, you say, well, how do you keep your ability to think? I think part of what Sanders says in this quote communicates that. He said, mastering the art of prayer, like any art, will take time. And the amount of time we allocate to it will be the true measure of our conception of its importance. So here's the thing. Do you pray regularly enough that if someone checked the data on how you're spending your time, like, like if, you're, if your iPhone watch could, if, you're, if your Apple watch could actually record like your steps, what if it could record your prayer time? Okay. Like what would show up at the end of the week? It would show up at the end of the day. Here's the point, that you and I, this idea that we would learn to pray day by day, regularly, consistently, so that when someone says to us, um, hey, I'm, I'm hurting, I got this struggle, I got this difficulty, you might be able to say to them, listen, let me pray with you, let me pray with you right now, because you are used to talking to God, and therefore, it's not a big deal to talk to God with somebody else right with you. I was listening to this message by Howard Hendricks this week where he said, um, he said if you want to learn how to pray, here's the first thing you need to do. Don't listen to other Christians pray. Because <laughs> you're going to end up praying with all that language that Christians sometimes pray with. Just open up the Bible, find prayers in the scripture, 650 of them, Herbert Lockyer says, 650 different prayers in the scripture, and begin to look at those prayers and let those prayers shape the way that you pray. We trust you've been encouraged by today's lesson. For resources to help you move forward in Christ, we invite you to check out our website, aboutfbc.org, or our Facebook page, Fellowship Bible, Mullica Hill.